Hey there, I'm Helen Ornelas, and I've been a life insurance, long-term care, and Medicare broker for over 20 years, helping thousands of clients during this time. I've come across all types of cases, questions, and calls from people who are in planning or in crisis and provided solutions. So welcome to the OnLive podcast with Helen Ornelas. Listen, you know as well as I do that taking care of important things in life is motivating, empowering, and even inspirational. You're thinking, what does this look like? If you're a business owner, executive, or someone who wants to know, what do I need to know about life events, how to prepare, where can I get help, you're in the right place. These life events will be coming your way, and you will receive these phone calls from your family, siblings, in-laws, grandparents, business partners, and friends. What calls do you think are coming my way? Let's find out. I'll be sharing stories, solutions from me, my clients, providers of service, and others that can help you now or in the future. We have the toolbox here on life, so if you're ready, let's get your toolbox loaded up. Hello and welcome to On Life with Helen. I'm here with Mitchell Cooper and he is uh, with Mutual of Omaha and Reverse Mortgage. And uh, Mitch, welcome again. I, w- I asked you if you would be on at least three or four times a year and you graciously said yes, because I think uh, what you have to offer is, is really important and information to share. So one of the things, uh, Mitch and I were at lunch a couple weeks ago and we were just chatting and he had brought up this really interesting topic. So Mitch is probably going to do most of the talking today, but he's going to be sharing a concept that I had no idea that was out there. And that is divorce and reverse mortgage. And so there are some unique ways in which this benefits everybody. And so Mitch, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you and ask questions like I was your client sitting in front of you. And so fire away, interested to really hear this topic. Yeah. And first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me on again. I, I graciously accepted it. Uh, I was excited. I was, I'm, I love this, uh, love this medium and love the show. So I'm, I'm happy to be on. I'll set the stage a little bit. We're talking about silver divorce or gray divorce is a pretty rapidly growing kind of segment. And so that's going to be, you know, there's different definitions, but essentially kind of 55 and older divorces. And we see uh, Pew Research Center did a study. They found divorce rates for people age 50 and over have doubled since 1990. And for those 54 to 64 have quadrupled since the 70s, since 1970. So it is one of those things that is just kind of exploded. And it, it really has an impact. And I believe it's about a quarter of divorces now are, are over the age of 50. And so they're in those later years. And, and really what that it's creating a big financial problem for retirement. Divorce has a, has a big impact on your finances as kind of people are aware. But I think it's a lot worse than people realize. Expenses go up as you have separate housing and everything gets separated, right? You, you don't bundle insurance anymore. You, you don't bundle your phone. Everything starts getting separated out. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of clients that I work with, they're kind of staying married just for this reason. And sometimes, you know, the house is is like the thing that's keeping them like married, but living separate lives. Yeah. The house can tend to be the hardest asset to split. It's not like a retirement account where we can just move half the shares over or things like that or savings accounts, things like that. The house is, is a very difficult item to split. 
And especially in retirement, when we just have this huge negative financial impact, maybe they're not working anymore. And so the thought of going out and buying another house is is very tough or trying basically affording that, affording the payment. There is one, there was a study, you know, most people think of dividing the assets about a 50% hit, but they actually found that it, a divorce reduces a person's wealth by about 77%. And that's from Ohio State University put that on. And so it is really interesting. And, and comparatively, you know, being married almost increases about 93% on the, to the to the other way around there. So it is a huge impact. And when you talk about retirees having a, a monthly payment and going out and buying another house, it's almost unthinkable for most people, unless there's, there's just a lot of assets, uh, liquid assets. And typically, you know, for the average retiree, two thirds of their wealth is in their home. So there's usually not enough liquid assets to pay the one spouse off. If one spouse wants to stay in the home, typically the the retirement assets or things like that, there's not going to be enough to split to then buy out the other spouse. And that is where it gets really, really tough. For the well, yeah, especially with the value of homes going up and equity and all of that. I mean, it's almost impossible to do to have to do that. Yeah. And so folks that are really committed and want to get it done, what they end up doing is selling and splitting. And of course, there's a huge emotional impact because typically one spouse wants to stay in the marital home. Most people picture that's going to be the the wife. But I can tell you nine out of the 10 divorces that we've helped settle with the reverse mortgage have all been the husband that have stayed in the marital home. So we're not sure. It goes against what we naturally think too, but that's how it's been. So kind of an interesting kind of tidbit there. But And so what we're allowed to do with the reverse is... The spouse, this is the most common way, and this is the way we've used it the most, but the spouse that stays is going to do a reverse mortgage, whether that house has a mortgage on it or is free and clear. Uh, free and clear is a little bit easier to kind of conceptualize. So we'll picture a free and clear marital home, no loan on it. Let's say for this example, it's worth about 500000 and they're, we'll call them 75 years old. And they're getting divorced. So the, the spouse that's spouse A that's going to stay in the house is going to use a reverse mortgage, pull out $250,000, and then that goes to spouse B to pay spouse B off. And then spouse B releases their interest in the home. It is now just spouse A who's going to stay in the home and not have a mortgage payment for as long as they live there. And so where this really... Where this really comes into silver divorce is retirement. That's the key there, where cash flow is king. We already know that. And not having a payment is so important. Whereas, you know, this might not be the right tool for a 30-year-old. Of course, they they can't get a reverse if they're 30. But it also doesn't make sense even if they could. For retirement, when you don't want a monthly mortgage payment, trying to take out a traditional loan with now half the income is going to be really tough. And so we, we pay off that spouse. They're gone. They have the 250000 and then spouse A gets to stay in the marital home, not have a mortgage payment for as long as they live, and they're in that house and, and happy. That's a huge relief, right? Because housing, as we know all over the nation, and particularly in California, is really prohibitive, right? If you had to start all over at 75 or 55 or 60, I mean, any of those ages, and then you have a two, $3,000 mortgage because they're not less than that um, minimally. And yeah, that's what intrigued me so much at lunch. I'm like, wow, this is such a great solution. Yeah. And even trying to rent, I mean, you're looking in, in our state, at least a thousand, fifteen hundred if if you're living in a tiny place. And it just there's a lot of uncertainty there. 
it is really an interesting solution. And it is, I had a client who, who just, he still emails me years later. You know, I just want to thank you for putting this eight year drawn out process. You know, he felt emotionally, he could not move on knowing that there was still this settlement that needed to be figured out with the divorce. And he's like, I finally can, can let go of that chapter of my life and move on. And so every, every four or five months, I get an email from him just, you know, I just want to thank you again for what you've done for me. So it really is, it it is life impacting um, in a huge way. It's one of those things where with the amount we pay to the spouse is determined by the settlement. So we're not dictating or the reverse isn't dictating how much that spouse is getting. So we do see a wide range. In his case, there were a lot of other assets. There was also still a mortgage. And so we paid off the mortgage plus paid the spouse. I think it was uh, roughly around 60000 and settled the, we've, we actually, when we do this, we settle the divorce because we cannot have any other liens or anything. The, the ex-spouse cannot have a, a way to come after the house. So we have to make sure that all the assets are dispersed and then we can, we can close the deal and get it all done. And so we actually finalized the divorce and settled it as a part of the transaction. She's not really, the parting spouse is not very involved. They need to sign a couple pages. And, but most of the time that's pretty straightforward is you're getting your money and, and you're going to be off the house. And they're like, yeah, that's what I wanted. So it doesn't really involve them. They're not on the house anymore. It's just going to be the remaining spouse with the loan. And so he was able to not have a mortgage payment anymore and end this. I mean, it just changed his whole life. Wow. I don't know how many people even know about this. I mean, I think this is like some like top secret thing out there that we need to get out. And, you know, obviously divorce is traumatic at any age. And it's interesting that when people are getting older, that they're, you know, choosing to do things differently, but this is such a a great topic. I know that we did also talk about the potential to do like a double reverse mortgage. So that way that both people in this relationship as they're separating can then have homes potentially, you know, without a mortgage. Yeah. So, so far we've been focusing on the the spouse that's staying in the marital home. Well, now we'll switch over to, to spouse B, the one that got the 250,000 and, and now doesn't have a place to live. So, that spouse, especially again, we keep bringing up California, unless they're going to Texas, they don't really have a lot of options for 250000 So they're looking at, again, financing or renting and slowly drawing down that bucket. So what they can do is a HECM for purchase or a reverse mortgage for purchase. And so the way that that works is basically picture about 60% down, 50 to 60%. It depends on age and interest rates, but we'll, we'll call it 50 just for easy math to understand the the program, but essentially that spouse can go purchase a $500,000 home, put $250,000 down, and the rest is financed. So the two fifty dollars is going to come from Mutual Omaha, two fifty dollars is the spouse's cash that she got from the divorce. And so that, that half that is financed is just going to grow. There's no monthly mortgage payment. So that spouse is now in a $500,000 house that she just bought. She got to pick her, he or she, but like I said, most of them are she, and now not have a mortgage payment for as long as, as that spouse lives in the home and pays their property taxes, homeless insurance. So they now have a similar home or they can even, they might want to downsize, right? Maybe that house right. is too like big. Into a condo or a townhouse. Right. And then keep some of the cash. So they actually can, can increase the sustainability of the retirement. If she, I keep saying she, but if that <laughs> departing spouse, you know, ends up 
wanting a $300,000 house and puts 150 down. Now there's a hundred grand in that person's bank account that wasn't there. Um, and so you talk about that 77% negative impact. Well, we just helped solve that too. And they're in the house that's in the right size and right, you know, single level community, whatever they can, that they couldn't have afforded just paying all cash and, and without the negative impact of a payment. All right. So yeah, Mitch, the, this just seems like a, a win, win for everybody that you can go your separate ways. You could both be mortgage free. One of my questions I just want to verify is you can do this in any state, right? So sometimes one spouse, you know, they're living in California or they're living in Nevada or New Mexico, and then one goes somewhere else. And so it, it doesn't matter where they go in the country, correct? Yeah, correct. So 95% of reverse mortgages are called a HECM, which is H-E-C-M, stands for Home Equity Conversion Mortgage. When you hear HECM, that is the FHA reverse mortgage. So the FHA reverse mortgage is available in all states and is insured by the FHA. They make all the rules. We're just the ones that supply the money. We have to follow their rules. So that is available in all states. So there is private proprietary reverse that is constantly changing. It's currently only available in a selection of states, uh, California being one of them, but that can constantly, constantly change, especially in our uh, volatile market. And so that's going to be for high valued homes, a million to 10 million, but works very similarly, uh, complies to most of the FHA rules, still a true non-recourse loan. And so it has almost all the same protections as, as the HECM does. Are there any other requirements that are special when you're doing reverse mortgages during divorce. I know you had mentioned that the reverse mortgage is kind of like the last step in finalizing the divorce. And so obviously, if this is a strategy that you're using, do divorce attorneys know about this? I mean, how do people find out that this is an option? Yeah, we love educating divorce attorneys because like you said, I, I, the number one reason people don't use this product is they don't have any idea it exists or they, they know the name and they really don't know what it does. So that there's also certified divorce financial analysts. They, I think, do a good job of educating themselves. They're going to be more aware of this than others. I've never heard of that type of person before, but that makes sense. Yeah, it gets into the, the weeds of the finances, which is an important task. So yeah, there are some steps, you know, we're coordinating with a lot more, I think I described it, it's a specialty within the specialty, we're going to be coordinating with a lot more people. But it, typically, the best way is the divorce is, is finalized, but not settled. So they are, they are divorced already, but the assets have not been settled. And so, but we do need to be part of the this whole settlement, we can't just do the house piece, if there's other IRA pieces that are moving or a car that's moving that we have to make sure everything's done at the very end. So title and escrow are going to confirm that that money is transferred and everything like that. We need a payoff demand, something signed by both spouses, hopefully also the judge, but that isn't always necessary. But because we need to know what we're what we're paying off. Something that's signed, yes, I'm taking X. Because these can take years. And I've had one that's about two years been dealing with it, still no settlement amount. I said, you know, and calls me and goes, are we ready to move? And I go, do you have a settlement amount? Because I can't tell someone if it's going to work or not, or, you know, we don't know what we're working with. If you guys agree on a million dollars and you have an $800,000 house, it's not going to happen because it needs to be close to that half mark or less. Or unless money's coming from somewhere else, and then we need we're going to have to verify those funds and make sure they're not borrowed and everything. So, so you can kind of take assets and push it into this 
transaction to make it work for both people, correct? Yeah, exactly. So if if they do need to pay the spouse three hundred thousand and and they only qualify for two fifty out of the reverse, if there's fifty thousand coming from an IRA or from a savings account or something like that, we we just need to verify what that is. And again, we're going to be a part of the transfer with that, but it's still possible to get done. Yeah. So somebody, this is kind of a pretty good example, started this process two years ago. And obviously the economy and interest rates and everything have changed. And so that becomes a big factor also, I'm thinking, right? Because the longer this goes, the more things change. And right now it could be a little bit of a different story, I'm thinking. Yeah, it is a long process. And I always think it's great to get educated as soon as possible and see what it can offer you, at least then things can change. So I do have two that, yeah, the interest rates are much higher than they were when we originally talked and their divorce is still not finalized. And it's going to look different. But that being said, you know, the the settlement really isn't going to change just because of the access to the assets, right? If it's got to get, you know, we're a community property state, so things are going to get split. And if we're not able to help, or if we are, that it should not be affecting what the settlement amount is. We're just a tool that when we can fit, when we fit, and and if if it, we can't, then they're probably selling, and then and then when they, if they sell and split, then they can both do the reverse for purchase, and be able to afford more house. Yeah, super excited! I think that's such a great concept. Obviously, I like the win-win where everyone gets a home mortgage-free, and then they get to kind of move on to their next chapters in life there. Anything else on this particular topic? Because I would like to get a little bit of an update just on the reverse mortgage world right now because things have changed. But is there other information that you'd like to share with us on on the uh, divorce reverse mortgage topic? That is really kind of it. I mean, it's really just a way to to get out of that biggest asset. If there, you know, of course, we talk, like you said, it's very emotional, um, and I never want to encourage people to get divorced. But if if that's happening, regardless, it is a good tool and and something to worth exploring and seeing if it does fit. And if it is something you want to do, it, of course, you can always just say, you know what, this actually doesn't fit for me. Great, but now you, now you learned about it. No, yeah, super. So, how about a little bit of an an update of? Uh, what reverse mortgage looks like today in this environment and, you know, maybe the next 12 months, if you can even think out that far these days. But uh, yeah, what kind of uh, information can you share with our audience today? It is, what, let's see, we're in June of 22. So it's a very volatile market as far as interest rates, the stock market, everything, you know, and people kind of always wonder, okay, how does interest rates affect reverse mortgages? Our clients are really not so concerned with the number of the interest rate. You know, they're not, oh, it's six instead of five, oh, it's five instead of four. Because it's really just how slow or fast that loan is growing in the background and how much is going to come out at the end, right? It is a topic, it is something we consider. We look at amortization schedules to see what that loan has grown to in 20 years versus 30 years versus 10 years. But the number itself is not as scary as it is for a first-time home buyer or, or someone that's kind of making payments. But the way it does affect is is actually pretty big. And that is as interest rates go up, each eighth of a percent, it's a tiered system. They qualify for a little bit less. 
on the loan to values because because what people qualify for is just based off their age and interest rates, just a big table. You can actually find it online. It's an FHA loan to value table. So it's not credit score. Things like that are not affecting how much they qualify for. So just last week or two weeks ago, interest rates jumped up a percent in a week. I mean, we, we just have not seen interest rates move. And that's for the tradition, traditional world in our world. I mean, they, they, we're, we're pretty similar. So clients qualified for about four, a little over 4% less loan to value. And so you take, uh, I think it was, what's that, a $500,000 house, that's $20,000 less all of a sudden, just in a week. And so when we are maybe doing a divorce or paying off a mortgage and they were about to break even. So we appraised for this and we're going to pay off the mortgage and that's it. Well, now they have to bring in $20,000 out of a savings account to make that happen. And that's where you go. Is that, is that worth it to us? How many mortgage payments is that? You know, is that 10 mortgage payments? Okay. Maybe we're going to do it. Maybe not. And so it's a big change in such a short amount of time. Now, this week, rates are cooling off and coming back. So that's great news for us. And so I think as the stock market is not doing well and is down, I think about 30% from the beginning of the year, 401ks are down, IRAs are down, clients are going to be, that's when our clients start looking at other buckets. So I think the next 12 months are going to be very, very busy for us. Um, and we've already started to see, hey, I'm I'm drawing two grand a month on my IRA and now it's down 10%. I I need something else. I need another way to not be doing this. Um, if I can get rid of my mortgage payment, that helps me not have to pull on my uh, retirement this year, those kinds of things. But, but because they qualify for less, there's going to be what we call more short to closes, more you have to bring money in to make this happen. And we're not going to be able to just pay off mortgages like we were the last two years. And, and historically, rates are not high. I think we're we're near six percent. That historically three percent doesn't exist. I mean, you could go over the years. We've just never had that. So I, I'm super old. I mean, I remember when you know it was ten and twelve percent, right? Mm-hmm. When you're purchasing your first home, I mean, I remember it was crazy back in the day. Yeah. So seven is considered fair, considered normal, and we're not even there yet. So it's not so much about that, but it is it is a different environment than it was a year ago. I mean, we've just never seen rates move this fast. And inflation drives rates. So if if inflation keeps increasing, rates are going to keep increasing because, you know, in the in the investment world, you don't want a three percent bond when inflation's at eight percent. You're just not helping you. <laughs> and so the mortgage bonds need to come up. And so that's what's driving rates. But we'll, we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to be able to help a lot of people and, and more and more people are exploring it and getting educated. So I, I see it becoming very busy because of the volatility. It's just going to be harder to help. Yeah, those people. because this might be the first episode that somebody watches. I was wondering if you just kind of recap again about reverse mortgage not being the last resort. And just do like your three or, you know, couple of minutes about how this tool is really structured to be used. And so I'll be quiet and let you do it. <laughs> so I compare it. There's asset accumulation tools and asset protection tools, right? And, and in the insurance world, it's a lot of asset protection tools. You know, if, we, if we're covering our home, that's to protect our home, right? It's not going to, homeowner's insurance is not getting us wealth. It's protecting our wealth. So I, I consider reverse mortgage an asset protection tool. But it's protecting the 401ks, the IRAs, and those assets that grow that are in the market. And so when you put them in place sooner, 
you get to protect those assets. If you wait until those assets are all the way drawn down and then turn on the reverse, it might work, it might help, but it almost always, we look at those clients and we go, oh man, if we did this five, 10 years ago, you're in a much better position because your 401k, we could have stopped drawing on that as much 10 years ago. And that would have kept a lot more level. You still would have had a lot of liquid assets and still had a lot of home equity. And so that's the biggest thing is, is waiting till later almost always is the worst way to use it. And so it might work. You know, if, if someone does have if they have drawn out their 401k they, and they have a free and clear house, that's a good client to look into it. If, you know, they're running into cash flow needs and things like that or long-term care planning. But almost always, once you know you're in your last house, and again, it's your house, so you can sell whenever you want. You can sell it the next day, 10 years. There's never a prepayment penalty, but it always works best on your last house. Once you're kind of like, yeah, you know, it's single level. There's not a lot of stairs. Uh, we're close to family. That would be you our know, house. We, yep. <laughs> yeah. We really want to be here. Then that's when to put it in place. I mean, almost always. And you, you want to meet with a certified reverse mortgage professional who's going to be honest and tell you, you know, these are the things I, I don't think it's a good idea for you yet. But you can always learn about it sooner and do it later. You can't go back and go, well, I wish I would have known this 10 years ago. So. Well, I am always excited to have you on the show and I can't wait for a new topic, maybe two or three, four months from now, because I think your lane is a lane that a lot of people are going to become more aware of and want to make a meeting with you or somebody in your industry to just kind of find out how all of this works. So I'm super, super excited. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Any closing statements that you have? No, just uh, go out and learn, get educated. That's the best thing people can do. Yeah. All right. Well, this is On Life with Helen. We will be sharing more on this particular topic because I think it's super relevant. And Mitch, again, thanks. And I look forward to having our next lunch. Sounds good. All right. You take good care. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of On Life with Helen Ornelas podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already subscribed, rated, and reviewed on your favorite podcast player, please do. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly, helen at ornellosinsurance.com, H-E-L-E-N at O-R-N-E-L-L-A-S insurance.com. In closing, this podcast is dedicated to all who believe in preparing for the future and beyond.